Let's go to God in prayer before we open up our time together. God, we thank you so much for this day and for the time that we have to share together, uh, to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, believers and heirs of your kingdom. I pray that this time is beneficial to each and every one of us, that we uh, come here in in a mindset of edification, of camaraderie, as we lift each other up and spurn each other on to love and to good deeds as we leave this place. And at the same time, Father, I pray that we come with a mindset of, of worship and of glory, um, and that we come, we come and we bring you the honor that is due to you. Pray that we have worshipped you in a way that is pleasing in your sight, and you find our gathering here uh, one of comfort, that you are encouraged as well, and you see your people gather together. We thank you for Jesus, your Son and our Savior, in whom we have life in whom we have hope. We thank you for your spirit that resides within us, that teaches us and molds us and shapes us and leads us to be the people that you've called us to be. We pray that we would be constantly mindful of your presence in our lives through him. And for these next few moments, Father, as we open your word, I pray that our spirit would be still, our minds would be open, our hearts would be soft, and that we would be attentive to the way your Spirit moves and shapes us. And that we would hear what you have to say to us through your Word. And that we would not leave those things here as we leave this place. But rather we would be your ambassadors. That we would be witnesses of your love and of your grace and of your authority in the community around us. We thank you for your grace and for your love and for your mercy. And may we live with that in mind. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, well, we uh, move on in our I Believe series. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Uh, And, you know, there's some ramifications of making that proclamation in our lives. Um, Some things that we are proclaiming when we say that we believe in the Spirit, uh, maybe we aren't quite aware of, or at least that's not in the forefront of our mind when we talk about the Holy Spirit of God. Um, And when we think about what it means to live a life with the Spirit of God dwelling within us, and not only what it means, but how that changes and shapes who we are as Christians. I don't know if you know who this is. Um, This is Jim Thorpe, maybe one of the greatest athletes uh, to have ever lived and rich he never wore the pinstripes okay Uh, maybe this is the one thing Jim Thorpe didn't do was he didn't play for the Yankees I know greatest franchise of sports history right Um, uh, in 1912 this picture was taken in 1912 um, and those are the shoes that Jim Thorpe ran the 1500 meter race in for his pentathlon Uh, They are different shoes and different socks. Now, if that were me, you might be thinking, well, he's trying to make a fashion statement. Um, Or uh, many of the athletes of today's time, that really wouldn't be uncommon to wear two different shoes. In fact, Nike has a couple of different pairs of shoes that are actually mismatched. 
One is red and one is blue. They look different. They look vastly different. And when you see someone wearing them, you think they put on two different shoes. But they're actually made to look that way. Jim Thorpe was not making a fashion statement. Uh, minutes before he went out to run the 1500 mile or the 1500 meter uh, run as a part of his pentathlon, um, his shoes were stolen. Uh, Jim Thorpe was an American Indian competing for the United States in the Olympics. And because of that, he received a lot of backlash, a lot of bigotry, a lot of evil and hateful people did evil and hateful things towards him because of his Native American heritage. And minutes before he went out to run the race, his shoes were stolen. I don't know why, but one of his teammates gave him one shoe. I don't know what good that was going to do him, but he gave him one shoe. Um, and so he had one, he needed another. He found another shoe in the garbage can. And so he decided he was going to wear one shoe from his teammate and the other shoe which he found in the garbage can. The problem was uh, the one he found was too large. And because it was too large, he had to wear an extra sock to take up the space so that he could run the mile run in the pentathlon. Um, but we, we, we are faced at times with moments where we have a choice to make. Uh, it would have been real easy for Jim Thorpe, and nobody would have blamed him if minutes before the mile run, when he could not find his shoes because they were stolen from him, he could have just cashed in his chips. He could have just said, you know what, I'm, I, it's not meant for me to run this race, or this wouldn't be happening, and so I'm just not going to run because I don't have shoes to wear. Uh, but he didn't do that. He didn't make the excuse that was made obvious for him to take in order to take what might have been an easier road for him to just resign. But he pressed forward. And there are moments in your life, there are moments in my life, there are moments in our life as a church where it is frequently easy just to take the excuse, the easy way out, and to just kind of resign ourselves to the situation and the circumstances that life has put our way. Or the other opportunity that we have is that we can live without excuse. And we can say there is nothing that is going to keep me from doing what I have been brought here to do. Jim Thorpe realized that he came to the Olympics not only to compete in the pentathlon, but to win the pentathlon. He knew he was able. He knew he was prepared. Um, and that's what he came to do. And he did not allow something as simple as being shoeless prevent him from doing what he came to do. And we are here, church. We are here as Christians, as, as children of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, heirs of the kingdom of God, witnesses and ambassadors to the power and the majesty of the creator of the universe. And we have been placed in this time for this time. And we are without excuse. There will be all kinds of things that will come that will strive to affect the way that we will live, the way that we will um, respond, the way that we will act as we leave this place and go into the community at large. But we are without excuse when it comes to how we face the difficult circumstances life throws at us. 
because the Holy Spirit of God dwells within each and every one of us. We can't determine what happens, but we can determine our response. We can determine our behavior. You see, the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is God's presence right here on this earth. This is how He dwells amongst His people. This is how He dwells in this world. And if we are to have any hope at all of affecting the world around us, we must learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. And I, I wrote here as our helper, but it's even more than that. He is our, our power. The Holy Spirit is what sets us in motion. If you watch NASCAR, they talk about what kind of power plant uh, these cars are running, who makes them, who produces them, how much horsepower is in them. And if you take that power plant out of the car, it's just a pretty trophy or an ornament because it doesn't go anywhere. And, And when we choose or when we just ignore the Spirit, that's effectively what we're doing in our own lives. We are removing the power plant from us, the one thing that sets us in motion, what drives us to do and to be the people that God has called us to be. Uh, John chapter 16, uh, John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15. A portion of this was read for us a moment ago, uh, but I want to go through and I want to read to you what Jesus says to his apostles, to his people, as he is preparing to leave. It says, but now I am going away to him who sent me. And not one of you asks, where are you going? Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, and you will no longer see me. (coughs) And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own, but He will speak whatever He hears. And He will also declare to you what is to come. And He will glorify Me, because He will take from what is Mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is Mine. This is why I told you that He takes from what is Mine and will declare it to you. And so we come through here and we see this truth. The Holy Spirit is not due any less recognition or honor than God, as God, because of His submission to the Son and to the Father. This is still the essence of God that has been sent. And Jesus says Himself, I'm going to go so I can send Him back to you. And in fact, it is even better that I go. We were talking about this in class this morning. What in the world could possibly be better than living in the presence of the Son of God? 
tell you what could be better. The essence of God living in you. And Jesus says himself to the people, he says, I have to go because if I go away, I can send them back and the counselor will come and he will dwell within you and he will convict the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. And he will teach you and he will advise you and he will counsel you. He says, oh, it is better. It is better this way. And there are other things that I want to tell you, but you can't bear them now because your soul is so filled with sorrow because I just told you I'm leaving. But just trust me, there is something better that is coming on my behalf. And it really does seem that as we go through life, maybe it's because we don't understand, maybe it's because it's spiritual. Uh, you know, God, we, we know God because we kind of have to know God. Uh, we believe in God because we kind of have to believe in God because it's kind of the basis for this thing called Christianity in the Bible. So there is a default reaction where we just broadly accept and believe in, even with as much faith as it takes to believe in God. But we accept that. And, and Jesus, you know, Jesus was here. We have the whole story about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit is this whole other kind of ethereal, otherworldly type thinking and, and, and aspect. And it's abstract. And it's hard to quantify. It's hard to even describe. It's hard to wrap our minds around what it means that God lives in me. What? It doesn't make sense. I mean, how can that be? The spirit of the creator of the universe wants to reside in this body, in this life. And so because of so many of those factors, it's easier to just simply... uh, trust in the other two things that we know we know we believe in God and I can read the stories about Jesus and he was a physical man and there's all kinds of proof that he existed and so that's easier to comprehend and two-thirds isn't bad I think there's even a song two out of three ain't bad in baseball if you're going two for three you're a hall of famer man But in Christianity, if we go two for three, we've robbed ourselves of the power that drives us to be the Christians that God has called us to be. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I believe that He is due the same honor that the rest of the Godhead receives from me. We don't sing many songs about the Holy Spirit. But He is just as much a part of the Trinity as the Father and the Son are. It is the essence of His being. Maybe some of it comes from a reaction to other aspects of Christendom that we don't really believe the same as. And we have a tendency to do that too, don't we? That we have a tendency to see something that we disagree with and instead of coming back to the middle, we swing all the way to the other end of the spectrum. Um, it happens in politics. It happens in sports. It happens in religion. It happens with those things that we are really passionate about. That in order to protect ourselves against some kind of teaching that we believe is wrong, it's not that we come back to what is right, but we come back to this severe place of preservation 
And I fear a lot of times that's what has happened, that we, that we have become so afraid of being affiliated or associated with people that mistreat and abuse the Holy Spirit. That we've unintentionally come to a place where we almost leave Him ignored and certainly underutilized and unappreciated. But this is God dwelling amongst His people. And there is this... Um, kind of a hierarchy within that Jesus talks about in John chapter 16 says when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you or he will guide you all the truth for he will not speak on his own but he will speak whatever he hears right so there is this hierarchy that the spirit of God speaks what he receives from the son he says whatever is mine is the father's and the father gave it to me and I give it to the spirit and the spirit then gives it to you and so there is this hierarchy of Submission. Hierarchy to what Jesus speaks of about himself in John chapter 12. Because he says this, he goes, For I have not spoken on my own, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a command as to what I should say and what I should speak. And so Jesus acknowledged that there's this hierarchy. And we see this with Jesus, and we don't think of Jesus any less as God than we do God, we see the role that he plays, and we still see him as a divine being, a second aspect of the God that we know. We acknowledge his presence at creation and the power that he exists, the authority that he has. And we should afford the same for the Holy Spirit. Jesus' deity is not diminished because of his submission to the Father. And the Holy Spirit's deity should not then be diminished because he is submissive to the Son, and He responds in what is given to Him. I'll tell you, here's a lot of times where uh, I kind of fall short when it comes to the Spirit of God. Uh, and I find myself in this situation frequently where I am trying to steer the Spirit. <laughs> Put some guidelines and some boundaries on where I'm willing to follow. It's like, I, I'll follow you, God, as long as you kind of stay in this little level of comfort right here. I'm pretty good where I am, doing what I'm doing, sticking to what I know. So as long as we stay there, I'm good. And we know what God does, what God does with those kinds of expectations. He takes us down paths we're not, I don't want to say we're not equipped to follow. He takes us down paths that we are not aware that we are equipped to travel. He's taken me in places I never dreamed I would be. He's done things through me I never dreamed that I was able to do, and the thing is, I was not able to do them. He's put me in places in my life where the only possible way that I could survive is to just simply surrender and say, I'm going to trust that you brought me here for a reason, and I am not equipped, and I am not able, and I am not prepared to do what is sitting in front of me I pray that you'll work through me I sat in a classroom full of teenagers staring at a whole bunch of faces that I not only didn't know I didn't know how to reach I didn't know how to talk to I had no experience in and really legitimately had no desire 
But I believe that's what that's the place that God had called us to be. And in the end, because I wasn't confident in my own preparation, in my own ability, in my own um, mindset, I was forced to be in a place where I said, God, I don't know why you have me here. This isn't what you trained me for. This isn't what you built me for. But you have me here, so I'm going to have to just stop and hope that I'm just going to open my mouth and you're going to speak through me. That I'm just going to put myself out there and you're going to work through me because this isn't what I'm built for. And not only did God change the kids that I was called to teach, uh, He changed me in the process. He changed my heart, He changed my mind, He changed my life. And He changed my spirit. He brought me to understand how powerful the spirit of humility and the spirit of timidity can be when it is not harbored in fear, but when it is harbored in the submission to the power of the Spirit of God who has promised to work within me if I will just simply allow Him to. To stop trying to lead the Spirit. To stop trying to tell God how He can work in my life and how He can't work in my life. But to surrender to His will, to surrender to His guidance. That when I say... I desire the Spirit of God. I believe in the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is, I surrender. I surrender unto you what was mine before and is no longer mine. The Holy Spirit is not a passive power that I can wield as I choose. It is not something I can just call upon when I think it's needed. The Spirit of God is a power that is begging to be unleashed, not only in your life, but in our life, and in the life of this church, and in the life of the kingdom. It requires our submission and our willingness to be led by Him. Clear up this little misconception that a lot of Maybe a lot of you learned, I know I learned as a youngster, said you could always pray to Jesus. He's always in your heart. That's just not true. Jesus is not in your heart. In fact, Jesus is nowhere near your heart. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Seated in victory. But it is the Spirit of God that dwells within you. It is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that resides in in you when you became a Christian. It is the Spirit of God that takes His place in your soul that marks you as a child of the King. It is the Spirit of God that dwells within you, that counsels, that advises, that convicts, that whispers and leads and guides. Be mindful every day of what exists within you. When we are born again, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. He comes into us and He takes His place amongst us and He just asks for us to unleash His power. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. He says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. 
But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And now if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who also lives in you. It is the Spirit of God that lives and dwells within you. In John chapter 14 and verse 17, He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive Him because if it doesn't see Him or know Him, but you do know Him because He remains with you and He will be in you. The Spirit of God dwells in you and you are no longer people of the flesh, but you are people who live life by the Spirit. And if we live life by the Spirit, this is what we proclaim. I surrender myself to your Spirit. I surrender my life to your will. I surrender my calling to you. And I no longer live by the flesh. I live by the Spirit. And it is the Spirit that leads, it is the Spirit that guides, it is the Spirit of God that motivates us and empowers us to be the Christians that God has called us to be. I know how it goes. We tune things out that we don't want to hear. I'm not saying I do that, but I'm saying you probably do. Maybe in the last 20 minutes you've tuned some things out you didn't want to hear. That's okay, because it's on video and audio. You can hear it this week if you tune something out. You need to pick it up, okay? Now look, I've been in the back of the house, and I've heard the question from the other side. Did you unload the dishwasher? I'm going to act like I didn't hear that. Because maybe if I act like I didn't hear it long enough, someone else will do it. Maybe. And I've seen it with my kids, too, right? They tune out what they don't want to hear. I'll say something, and if they don't want to hear it, they, oh, I had headphones on. Sorry, I didn't hear you. But if I say something to Heather, we're sitting on the couch, she's like, hey, what do you think about pizza tonight? Yes! From the back of the house. Oh, so you hear that, did you? We have that selective hearing. And we are really, really adept at tuning out what we don't want to hear. And that's the problem with the Spirit. Frequently, the Spirit of God tells us what we don't want to hear. Frequently, the Spirit of God calls us into places that we don't want to go. Asks us to do things that we don't want to do. nudges us, urges us, gently pushes and guides us into places that we plainly see but just don't want to follow. And so we get really good at just saying, shh. Or maybe next time. Or I'm too busy. Or it's going to make me late. I might get my clothes dirty. 
I've got other obligations. We get really good at just kind of pushing those things aside. And the Spirit of God is just saying, turn me loose. Let me go. If you will give him the power to work in your life, he will not only work in your life, he will work in the world around you, and he will change not only the people around you, but he will change you. He will shape you and mold you into the image and the likeness of the Father and the Son. And daily we will grow to be more and more like the Savior we've been called to emulate. Let us work hard to not tune out the Spirit of God. But to remember that we are not people of the flesh, we are people of the Spirit because the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. And the very Spirit that raised Him from the dead is saying, I want to work in your life today. Because here's the problem, we can put it away, we can tune it out, we can ignore it, but the moment you say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the moment we make that confession as a Christian, our duty is to surrender to it and to submit to it and to allow it to lead and to allow Him to work. so that we can be called children of God. Maybe you need to become a child of God today. To surrender your life to the, to the Savior of the world and to the Creator of the universe so that the Spirit of God may dwell within you. If you'd like to become a Christian this morning through baptism or if there's some other way the church can be of assistance to you. You can make it known at this time as we stand.